It's the Chopping It Up Hello, world. Welcome to episode 10 of the Chopping It Up podcast. We are still alive. We still exist. Kyle Barely. and I are sharing a microphone. Yes, we are. Which is Aww. awful. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. My no. caffeine is kicking in. I'm terrible. Well, Kyle I don't is know sitting on my lap. Yes, I am. As we snuggle with this one microphone. So here's a story. I bought a $400 box thing that's supposed to have four mics we can record into. Yeah. Only one of them works. <laughs> but it's white money, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. You need to stop. You need to stop buying stuff from uh, crackheads on the corner. This is true. <laughs> he's trying to do true. urban ministry. That's what he's trying to. Do. <laughs> this is true. He's trying to be contextual. I'm trying to be I contextual. <laughs> so if you've noticed, the world has been a sad place for the last <laughs> 55 days. Do you know why that is? Why? There has been no. Chopping it up podcast episodes for fifty five days. For fifty-five <laughs> days? Fifty-five days. I don't believe it was that long. January sixth. A lot of two days. A lot has happened since then too. Damn. What'd you say, Tyler? I said a lot has happened since then too. A lot has happened. <laughs> Kyle got in a fight with a white guy at an airport. <laughs> I did. In fact, I did. Yeah. Lots happened. He was a clan member. I don't care what none of y'all say. <laughs> and, and, and God, God in his divine providence had me nowhere near <laughs> while all That's of this right. happened. He was nowhere near. <laughs> we would have went to jail if you were right there, it, I guarantee you. Yeah, I would have I might have slapped him. <laughs> so the chopping it up podcast hit the road back on February eleventh. We didn't know recording while on the road, but we did hit the road. We did. Went down to Charleston. Isn't that a song? The most racist place I've ever been to. You like Charleston. You wanted to move there. It Everywhere was, we went, it, you wanted to move. Beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mixing that up with Charlotte. Cause the we airport. Flew to Charlotte. <laughs> so since I had that counter... In the, in the Charlotte airport, I assume that all Charlotte is racist. Even though that guy was from like, Michigan. Was he? We, we were all flying to Detroit, weren't we? That's right. From Charlotte. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, don't I, think know where, where I think he goes to the church in Lansing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, he does not go to my church. So we went to oh, okay. Charleston, South Carolina for the One Kingdom conference put on by a group called One Charleston, and we had a good time. It was the three of us and a couple other pastor friends of ours. We It was a one-day conference, and we visited the church where Dylan Roof shot nine people. Uh, Kyle, you got out, I believe. Tyler and I stayed in the car. You guys went out and took some selfies yeah. at the church. Yeah. When we pulled up, you can tell that they got like, <laughs> crazy security there. When we pulled up, the guy put on the side of us, hey, what's going on? And we was like, we just come here to see this place. Well, uh, visiting hours is not right now. He was like, well, we just want to see the outside. He was like, all right, go to the front, which is rightly understandable, you know. Tyler and I were embarrassed of you. Why? Well, I more so just wanted to stay in the car I because Tyler was embarrassed. <laughs> Listen, I think they were they stopped security stopped because they saw Noah, Noah and Kurt, because <laughs> they were the only white no. people with us. Here's what's ironic about that trip: we it was February 11th, 
And I was reading the newspaper a couple days after that, and in Myrtle Beach, which is where we were mm. the day before, that's where our flight flew in and we spent just kind of mm -hmm. the day. Kyle wanted to move to Myrtle Beach. I did. They <laughs> just arrested a white guy who was arrested by the FBI and mm. he was, oh, purchasing a gun and that's how he got arrested. And he was gonna do a shooting in the spirit of Dylan Roof. Oh God. Yes. Yeah, Honestly, While we were down there, yeah, uh, it was a couple days after we were after we left. That could have been us. That, just imagine, like in in all seriousness, right? What if we were actually caught in that? I mean, ju just being honest, this happened a couple of days. No, after I, I we don't want to imagine that. No, right. thank you. No, that's that. Yeah, in in all seriousness, I think that was the surreal thing about being there, yeah. be, going to the church building, just a normal looking church building, and realizing somebody walked through there with a gun and killed nine people. Yeah. At the conference, they had one of the local pastors speak, who was good friends with one of the mm -hmm. pastors who died, and just hearing him yeah. speak about that experience being a pastor in the community, losing one of his close friends, it makes you realize that these things hit the media, whatever city they're from, Charleston or or wherever, and these are, these. there's something about it hitting the media where you watch a video of something on YouTube or you mm -hmm. read an article and you just don't get the reality of it. It yeah. almost yeah. cheapens it in a way um, where this is... This is as real as it gets yeah. in American communities. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that that happened a couple of days after we left. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read about it in the USA Today uh, section of the Lansing State Journal. So I mean, it made it made some news, and just that that stuff's not going away. It's not going away anytime soon. Well, our current president um, promised that he's going to stop all anti uh, anti um, Semitic attacks. Racism will be officially uh, ended, I think, around 2019. So we have nothing else to fear. We're in good hands. I'm so glad I voted for that guy. <laughs> this is not a podcast about politics. I knew it. The five people that listen, uh, three of them just got offended. Okay. I'm just. He said he was going to stop. He said he's going. He said he said he's going to stop. It, Here's so. something that I've noticed. Uh, so also in the newspaper, this relates to that. Relates to the president. And now there's there, there is a little bit of overlap with. I think the, the, the most recent hot button issue that does have to do with race is the refugee and immigration policy and all these sorts of things that have been in the news. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I noticed is when you have Dylan Roof, who kills nine uh, black folks, or you have this this other guy who gets arrested um, this white guy who said he's going to do a, a shooting in the spirit of Dylan Roof. Mm -hmm. It's not cons called a terrorist attack. It's not, it's not mm -hmm. considered that. Right. Um, there, mm -hmm. there was another uh, shooting in the news recently where... Kansas, right? Wasn't uh, it Kansas? You know, I'll tell you the part I read and I didn't... I should have in front of me and I don't because I'm, I'm thinking of this off the top of my head. So tell me if it's the same one, but an Indian guy got shot and killed... Uh, a guy from India, and uh, his wife survived. And this white guy who killed them, he opened fire and he said, uh, "Get out of my country!" And he mm. shot. He shot and killed him. And that sort of thing. I mean, that's a direct result of this sort of rhetoric from the Trump campaign. That's that's just kind of inflamed this you know racist mindset of people. But the problem is that that white guy who did that. He's not labeled a terrorist. Right. When that that is a terrorist act. I mean, that's a that's an act based on race. It's a it's and it's it's an act. Um, it's it's. I mean, what what else would it be? And then, uh, Kyle, I think it was you that was telling me Trump was speaking, 
and about his immigration policies and how he, you know, he, he just in general has demonized uh, Hispanics yeah. and Mexicans specifically, just, just demonized them all, which is very racist, uh, mm-hmm. overtly to, to do, to say they're all rapists, they're all criminals. And didn't he have a white, uh, you know, family on stage with him who's, was it you telling me this or was it Kurt who was saying, that one of the family members had been killed by an undocumented immigrant. Yeah, and so he had Kurt the rest of the family. Um, yeah, Kurt was, was telling us that. He had the rest of the family on stage with him as he talked about how they were going to crack down on violence of undocumented immigrants. My, my point to this isn't necessarily to get into immigration policy, though that certainly is relevant, yeah. but it's to say when a Mexican or a Middle Eastern person, potentially even a black person, kills someone or groups of people, they're labeled by our government, by whomever, as terrorists. But when a white person does that, it's not labeled as terrorism. Right. What's up right. with that? I mean, that's that's blatant racism. It's blatant. I don't know what you... I mean, I don't, white privilege is not the word that fits. It's just... It's a double standard. It's hypocrisy. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you can you can go further back. I I never heard. Uh, let me not say never, but I don't. I can't recall Timothy McVeigh right. being called a terrorist. I can't. I can't recall the killer at Sandy Hook being called a terrorist. Right. I can't Columbine recall shootings. That Columbine shootings. That's the first one. Yeah. I can't I can't recall those guys being called terrorists. Uh, I don't recall my man who shot up the movie theater during the Batman yep. movie. Right. Uh, I can't recall him being called a terrorist. Right. Uh, I don't. Um, we had a dude lose his mind here. Uh, what was that in um, Kalamazoo? The Uber driver. Remember that? That was last year. Oh yeah. A white I, guy. Yeah. I know six years ago. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. White guy Uber driver. He killed about five or six people. I don't recall him being called a terrorist. Right. Wow. Uh, you can go on. You can go on. Um, on. Yeah. So I, it, it, it the the reality. It's the, the sad reality is when you when you're allowed to write the narrative, you can you can. And I don't know what quite. I don't know what to call it either. Um, but when you're allowed to, I mean, the majority white people are the majority. So they, when you go uh, newsroom media. Websites. I mean, they're in the majority, so yeah. they're allowed to write the narrative. So they'll, of course, they'll they'll spin things in a way that makes the evils of whites not look as evil as the evils of um, Muslims mm. or blacks. Or you know, I've I've I've, I've heard dudes in Chicago be called terrorists and mm. savages, and mm-hmm. you know, refer to you know re- refer to terms that somewhat less than human yeah um you know so yeah it's 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 yeah it's bad but yeah that's that's always been the case yeah and 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 they and they always and what i've always noticed was was always interesting is they want to do a battery and uh extensive mental illness testing on um these guys who these white guys who do these mass shootings um and, and and they always say, well, we think mental illness has something to do with it, right? Right. <laughs> you know, not 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 you know, giving them giving them an out, you know, or they were mentally unstable, so that that's why they you know lost their minds and went went quote postal. Uh, <laughs> I suppose just saying it was it was blatant, um, it was blatant terrorism from one of our own from within. Right. Uh, another piece of that. I remember learning back when I was in seminary, there was a cultural intelligence class that I took. And when it comes to race, what we'll do is, and this is what we're talking about, what we're seeing the media do, and the, specifically, I would say the government do. And that's what's scary is when, and that's what we mean by systemic racism as well, is when these things, it's not just one individual's racist, it's yeah. when it's federally regulated racism mm-hmm. in this case it's a it's a language it's a way of referring to things mm-hmm. but you also have policy when it comes to anti-terror you know well it's all gauged towards a couple of different ethnic groups that you know n- n- not 
white as an ethnic group. So anyway, in this cultural intelligence class, if for, for white folks, it's like, if there's a white murderer, let's say, uh, then we'd say they're an exception to the rule. The rule mm -hmm. is that white mm -hmm. people are, are good people and nice. It doesn't have to be murder. It could just be some kind of criminal. And we say right. that, that that criminal's an exception. You know, they're different. They're, there's something wrong with them. But white people in general are, are, are very upstanding, very good people. Mm -hmm. And then if there's, let's say, a criminal who's black, or in the case of immigration, you're seeing Trump do this with criminals that are Latino, criminals that are Mexican. And he's saying... All Mexicans are criminals. That's what they are. There's, they're all criminals. And then if you meet a nice one, well, they're the exception. <laughs> they're the exception to the rule. So all black people are criminals. They're thugs. You know, they're they're hoodlums. And if you meet a nice one, well, they're they're the exception to the rule. Mm -hmm. And it's psych, it's like psychological propaganda is what it is. It's stereotyping. Yeah. It clumps everybody into one group. And it's been going on. Uh, it's been going on for a very long time. So it's interesting to just see that morph the way that it's morphing in the current, you know, political landscape. Yeah, it's it, 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 yeah, it, it's unfortunate that you know that we we can look at one person or I. So um, there was a person at a church that I used to attend. And they were very open, and I actually respected their openness. They were very openly bigoted towards black men because their brother was, you know, beat up by three or four black guys. So of course they were, they weren't the most comfortable with um, a man of my complexion and size. <laughs> so, but this person, this, op this person openly said this to my wife. So she said, my wife's retort was, so you had one experience with black men, and that basically means all of them are like that. And she just kind of said, yeah, pretty much. You know, this is what I assume when I see a black man. And sadly, that's what people do. You know, and even black people, we do it. You know, based on our experiences, we um, peg people and make caricatures of people. But the unfortunate reality is, again, since white people are the majority, that carries more weight um, because they're, they're more likely to be in places of authority. They're more, more likely to be police officers. They're more likely to be in the judicial system. So you have to constantly deal with people who um, don't even realize that based on TV or music or one or two bad experiences, they um, feel a certain type of way about people. And and you got to meet that one good person, like you said. That's the, that's the exception. Kyle, that reminds me of the conversation you had with the guy at the airport. I wondered if you'd want to talk <laughs> about that a little bit. Where basically, it's from what I recollect is that this was a white business owner, mm -hmm. and he essentially said, "Well, the black men that I've hired, they're they're lazy, and so." he was making a conclusion that mm -hmm. all black men were lazy and that he wasn't going to hire any more black men, is yeah. it more or less? Yeah, so <clears throat> as we <laughs> sat there, he uh, he asked a question. He said, hey, I, I couldn't he help but to overhear you guys. Where are you from? And uh, I said, well, we're from Detroit. And he said, oh, well, I, I, I enjoy looking on the news and seeing what's going on with your city. And uh, I think that guy, what's his name? And I said, Dan Gilbert. And he said, yeah, that guy's doing great things. And I said, you know what? <laughs> the, 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 there are some great things going on, but there are some things that I disagree with. And he asked me, you know, what was that? And I mentioned gentrification. And he said, well, why don't the ones who are getting forced out, why don't they just get jobs? I mean, go to school, get a degree, get jobs. And I... And I was very loving with him and said, you know what, there's a lot more into that. Um, and I kind of broke down, you know, the systematic issues that hinder um, uh, those of color. Um, and I even expressed to him, man, there are a lot of people who are uh, very well qualified, people of color, and 
they get denied a job based on the color of their skin. And I, and I, and I, and I always say things based on either experience or close friends or family that experience these things, which made it factual. It's not just me looking at statistics and saying, this is what's going on. So he basically said, well, you know what? The black men that I've hired, they, they're lazy, but those black women, oh, they, they work. They come to, they come to work every day. They work hard. My black women. And (laughs) what was very upsetting for me was the fact that he looked me dead in the eye and basically said, all black men are lazy. And what made me upset was the fact that he was talking to a black man and he had just no care. And he, and he just spoke on us like we were his products, my black women. Um, he was a, he was a, he was an owner. And I, I told him flat out, everybody that listeners, I, I said, brother, that is racist thinking at its best. And immediately he turned red and was like, I'm not racist. And I said, for you to say that all black men are lazy, that was a very racist comment. And I asked him, do you have any black friends? And he expressed he didn't. So it's, it's, surprise, it's, surprise. Just, yeah, it's just this, this, this stereotype that, that got me really upset. And I'm going to be honest, you know, I got so heated, I had to walk away. Because I, there was one other time I've had an encounter like that back in 2012 when I was actually called a nigger. And that, that, the reason why I got so upset because that reminded me of that time. So, um, I ended up seeing the guy back on the plane. I was told by Noah and Derek and Kurt, Tyler, and I just, I, I told the guy, hey, I apologize for getting so heated. I mean, we didn't duke it out or nothing. It was just, I had to, I got up and walked away. But we gave each other a hug. And he, he said, I love you, brother. And I said, I love you, too. And, you know, I, I just I just think that that moment for him was an eye-opener. I honestly believe so. Because this is the thing. When, when we do have brothers and sisters who are white and they have... This mindset, uh, some of them really don't know, how, you know, the racism that lies with within them. You know, they, mm-hmm. they just they, they just don't know. And a lot of times it, it takes us to call them out on that thinking and to help them. But then we have some who've just been raised into that thinking. They embrace it. They, uh, they know exactly um, how they feel towards people of color, minorities, and people of different ethnicities. So that, mm-hmm. that, that for me was, it, it was, it, the, Noah mentioned that I was proud to be in Charleston because I, I saw a lot of black people. We, we, Noah was driving like through this two lane highway and we rolled through a neighborhood that had nice homes. And I saw nothing but black people on outside. I was just proud to be in the South and see blacks thrive, you know. And the first thing that 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 happened that was on my radar that I was kind of expecting to happen was a encounter with racism. So that that's you know that's the story, man. And honestly, I hope that brother really say, hey, you know what, I... He's probably listening right now. I, I hope he is. He probably That's is. probably who uh, I, What's his name? What, what's, what's the follower? Our, what's our follower? What's his name? The, the only one that write in. That's probably him. <laughs> and he probably bought a ticket and met us at the airport just to... Yeah, I think so. Just to have a conversation. I think what that guy... You know, he's he's talking about the same sort of thing that we're talking about, where you take an experience with a handful of people right. in a minority, or sometimes only one person, <laughs> exactly. and then you just say, right. the whole entire, <laughs> you know, uh, ethnic group is this way. Meanwhile, again, if he, uh, I'm sure he's fired white lazy people before, right. and he doesn't he doesn't associate it. And, and two, you, you know, you, you have to have an understanding of history. You have to have an understanding of systemic injustice. You have mm-hmm. to have an understanding of what does opportunity even look like? What does opportunity even mean? And 
that's a whole larger conversation that yeah. most non-believers are just simply not ready and equipped for. And sadly, a lot of believers aren't either. But this idea yeah. that uh, now, now for the three of us that talk talking here, me, Tyler, and Kyle. I mean, we all work, we all minister in the inner city, and this is kind of an interesting topic. But I know that early on in our ministry, as we my wife and I started doing more and more inner city work, we found how important it was that the only people of color in our lives were not just poor folks living mm. in the inner city. Mm. And even as we became a multi-ethnic church, it was important that the only people of color coming to our church were not just poor folks living in the inner city. And, right. and particularly their teens and kids, you know, that we have coming to our church. And the, the reason for that is because there's certain challenges that kids in the inner city are facing, yeah. and they're just kids, and they're stuck, in, they're stuck in that. And these kids grow into you know, 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds, and sometimes they grow out of those things, and sometimes they don't. There's, there's an extra element of compassion and grace needed. But what you can start to do is y- your, your view of a person of color becomes the view of what you know an urban kid basically who's struggling and yeah in your attempt to do something good let's say working in the inner city you can start to develop a stereotype you can start to develop a prejudice towards everybody yeah. and so i hear that a lot from folks uh, white people that have that knee-jerk, I think I call it the automaton, this, I, this. well, they need to take responsibility. You know, they, they need to stop, um, those dads need to stop, you know, having sex and leaving and all these sorts of things. And they say they as if it's all black people. They need to go <laughs> to school. They need to graduate. And I, and I say to them, do you know how many black people are out there advocating for those things right for their community don't act like there's not hundreds of thousands and and millions that that are that have gone through the struggle that are still in the struggle in a different way but are saying to these youth don't live that way it's not like it's only these self-righteous white people that are so judgmental saying uh they need to take responsibility it just um it sort of becomes a mess because they've they, there is a difference between prejudice and racism, and that is a way that actual prejudice grows in people's mind. It's yeah. saying mm-hmm. whether it's one group or a group on a certain block or whatever it might be, the people I see on TV, that's what every black person is like. Yeah, it's not the case. Right. Yeah, that's got to be yeah, frustrating I mean, it, for you guys, right? I mean, Tyler, is that oh, yeah. would that not be? incredibly frustrating for you to hear things like that you know what um i may be (laughs) no pun intended but i may be in the minority but uh that kind of stuff i i'm i guess i'm kind of numb to it Mm -hmm. Mm. i i think i think you know just as a i'm 35 years old now uh my first experience and my first personal encounter with racism was when i was 12 years old my school was uh, boycotted in 1992. Um, Malcolm X Academy moved to a predominantly white neighborhood, and they boycotted. Uh, when we got off the bus, we had a police escort. There was bomb threats. Um, you know, they spray painted racial slurs on the on the school. So I mean, my my first, you know, I, I first encountered that at 12 years old. So I, I think a part of me. Um, it's kind of grown to it is what it is. Um, most people live in ignorance uh, of different people, uh, you know, people different from them. Um, sadly, being in the majority, uh, a lot of white people are so blind to it. You know, and, and, and I experience when I, when I just have casual conversations with um, white people with the best intentions. They have no idea of the really, really low level uh, latent racism and 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 prejudice that they have, mm-hmm. racism and prejudice, um, just because they're so used to living um, their white suburban majority lives, um, that's all they know. And any mm-hmm. 
And so, I mean, I guess part of me is just kind of numb to it. Part of me is just kind of is just kind of resolved that it is what it is. I'm going to be viewed a certain way by a lot of people. Um, and their minds may or may not change. So, I, I, yeah, you know, I really don't get that question, you know. Yeah, you know, honestly, it's just kind of like it is what it is to me in a lot of cases. One thing that um that kind of that upset at me from since 2009, I remember um, I was a youth minister at a church and we were leading a outside evangelism um, downtown Detroit. And there was a park where most of the homeless people, um, you know, or just people on drugs, they would just hang out. And um, we decided to go to this particular park uh, to pray for people, to give food. And there was a group that we met there. It was a it was a, a church. They were from straight suburbs, you know, and they they come they 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 made it their habit to come to this park every week, and they ministered to the people. They just gave them food, and um, but what what I've noticed is that a lot of churches have that same that same. Um, method or they they do those same things they go to the hood once a week or once every holiday and mm -hmm. they get food and that's it mm -hmm. and and honestly i just as a black person you coming to a park to give me food and to maybe pray for me does nothing for the community that i live in and that's why it's very important that we graduate from that and you know, get off of milk, but graduate to meet and get to the point of, okay, let's rebuild these communities. If you're a suburban church with resources, rebuild these communities, build relationships with uh, people from the hood, because that will break your stereotypes. That will, that, because it's, how can you get to know me? If all the only thing you do is give me food, pray for me and you leave. But we actually doing life with people in the same neighborhood, then that changes that change your perspective. That change, oh well, maybe all black people mm -hmm. aren't like this. And you know what, this this guy, he's he doesn't have any money, but this is his situation. His mom was a crackhead, his father is locked up, he's been on his own since twelve. When you get to get into that story and get deeper, right. then you understand why things are the way that they are. Um so I just, I, this is just my call to churches, man. You know, for those of the faith specifically, we, we have to just do more, you know. Um, and and, and I'm, I want us to move past just dialogue. You know, I think one big fad that I'm seeing right now are there are more panels. There are more discussions. There are more conferences about race. But what's actually being done right now? This podcast. That's it. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. How about when we were in Charleston? Go ahead, Tyler. I was going to say, to Kyle's point, what I've noticed, um, you know, and, and this is not to all, because we have we have churches that I partner with, and they come and they do mission trips, and they come and they support, and they come and serve. So by no means am I knocking those with good intentions and those who really want to serve from a exactly. distance. Exactly. Um, because, and, and, I, and I know you're not either, but there are people uh, who come from the suburbs, uh, come to the city and to serve, and it has nothing to do with the people they're serving. Mm -hmm. it's, just, right. it's for them. That's right. Mm -hmm. you know, it's for them. They have, they, have a, they have a savior complex. They have mm. a superiority complex. And and um, most of the teams we have come, most of the people we have come and serve from, and we have people come from all over the country, yeah. and most of them, their hearts, their hearts are pure, their motives yeah. are pure, they serve us well, we are, we are blessed. But we had one group come from out of state, and they spent the entire week taking pictures of the kids, yeah. taking pictures <laughs> of the burnt out buildings. Taking pictures of the look, I'm in the hood. I mean, that th that was their mission trip. Right. That was their mission trip to come and show that I'm in the hood. I'm doing real ministry for Instagram and for Facebook. And by the end of the week, we were telling them that we 
<laughs> and, and then, yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that. But yeah, it, it was that was that was that was their focus. It, it was nothing about the people that they were serving. Okay. It was for them. It it was for them to get their their um, get their uh, savior, white savior complex on. Exactly. You know, so we we have no we have no we have no tolerance and no room for that because it doesn't help. And on that subject, Tyler, we've seen this too, where denominations kind of do the same thing sometimes. Mm. Where oh heck yeah, you oh know, yeah, denominations. They'll put the photos up of whatever, you know, we're reaching Detroit and they put up photos of the burnout buildings and they can get some donations that way. Meanwhile, their idea of reaching Detroit is we're planting in this in the Detroit suburbs or we're planting in the this gentrified area. Mm-hmm. And we're not knocking that churches are needed there and the gospel's needed in those those um, suburban areas where all the white hipsters are moving in, but don't lie, don't and don't <laughs> don't lie and don't patronize the urban core uh, mm-hmm. by by using them, using these photos to, to try to get money for stuff. And when you're not actually doing that, because it does take more work, it takes more yeah. relationships. You have to move in, you have to be uncomfortable, and it's sad. I, I think it's actually pathetic when we see uh, we see denominations doing that. It's like if you're not called to that, that's fine. But don't don't lie about it and act like you are when oh, you're not man. actually yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I've 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 visited a number of church websites that said Detroit, and you click on it, and it was mm-hmm. nowhere near. I mean, I, I there was a there was a there was a church there was a dude. He, he was he kind of became a caricature and kind of became a running joke in some of the circles that I ran in because he just straight up lied. Yeah. He just straight up and down lied about number of churches he planted and and he wasn't even he wasn't even in the city surroundings. I mean he wasn't even in the in the city borders. So I mean that's the the scary thing is, you know, that's what that's one of the worst kept secrets that, you know, church planning is a business. You know, and and finances are needed, and finances are needed to be raised, and churches need to be supported. So, dudes are going the extra mile and even lying about uh, where they're planning, where their ministry is, what they're doing to try to raise more support. And it's it, 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 it's actually disgusting, honestly. But I, I just don't see how you can um, claim to be in ministry and, and operate with no integrity. But I mean, there, there's dudes who are doing it, and it's yeah. very sad. Very sad. That's true. That's true. I was gonna make a joke earlier before we got on this topic about how when we were in Charleston, that everything was either a pancake house. No, that was Myrtle Beach. Um, <laughs> but then as we no, drove Myrtle through Beach. South Carolina, no, no. everything was labeled plantation. Remember that? Man. Every every golf course and apartment complex. Man, my, I could have sworn I, I had shackles <laughs> on my wrist. That was crazy. <laughs> it was bizarre, though, driving through these areas. And you're like, <laughs> this really was a plantation. Like, that really was a slave house. You could see some of them still up. Can you imagine, like, plantations nope, in this day and age with technology? Like, you have a customer <laughs> service line to help you how to deal with your slave. Press one if your slave has run away. Press two if you cut off his leg, but he is being uh, disobedient. Press three if he uh, whistled at your wife. <laughs> three. <laughs> oh. oh, man. That was, that was crazy. That happened, too. The woman who... Uh, who uh, basically got Emmett Till killed? Yeah. Basically oh. came out and said, "Nah, it nah. wasn't quite like that." It didn't happen. Not that ev- everyone's dead. I-, I think even most of the perpetrators are either in their 80s or dead. Yeah. Now she's mm. coming. Now she's coming. Coming forward with the truth. That actually reminds me on Kyle's Facebook page. There was a. Uh, a uh, white Christian. And and I say this because it's important that people listening understand some of the mindsets that are out there. People who would never say, I'm racist. And yet, 
they hold these very racist views that are very divisive in the church. So if you're sitting there as a churchgoer saying, why isn't why can't our church become multi-ethnic? Well, you might have people like this in your pew, or you might have people like this as your pastor. I don't even know, but there's a level of ignorance that exists, which we're trying to speak to. But Kyle had written something on his Facebook page about Emmett Till's mother, I believe it was. And for those not familiar with Emmett Till, that's okay. You just put his name into Google and you'll find out. And that we're, we're not trying to embarrass you and shame you if you don't know who some of these historical figures are. But it, Emmett Till was 14 years old when he died in 1955, which is not very, uh, not that long ago. Many, mm-hmm. many people living today were living in 1955. Yep. Um, I always like to think of that's when, you know, the Beatles were were big and, you know, you, you can kind of get a, a more cultural framework that way. Uh, but he whistled, so to speak, at this white woman, and he was beaten to death. And the the reason it became famous is because some photograph, the, the mother left at an open casket, and you can go to Google Images right now and put in his face and mm. or put in his name, and you'll, you'll see his face. Photographs were taken, and the photographs exposed the racism. The photographs expose this face that, I mean, it looks like jello. It looks like, like a yeah, pudding just I- mixed together. Uh, because he was, his face was beaten so badly. Um, I, I was getting, I was getting ready to say, if you, if you're sensitive to images, yeah, be very viewer, careful. Viewer discretion because... is advised. So, Man. so, so here's what happened. Oh Kyle posts this on his page just about uh, Emma Till's mother and this this white Christian who, you know, li- lives out in the country and and posts a lot of what the the automaton that's what that's what I am beginning to call it this idea when we talk about race or we talk about really anybody anything that um there's this response like oh that sounds like a democratic view a democrat view and so therefore Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you this automated response and so he wrote on Kyle's page well how is that any different than the death of Devin Golford and that's a local story. Uh, you, you wouldn't know that if you weren't in the Lansing area. But Devin Golford was a, a white teenager. This was a couple years ago in Eaton Rapids, which is a rural, sort of rural suburb. It's not a suburb. It's just a not rural ring outside of Lansing. It's a Lansing area town. And he was he was shot and killed by a, a police officer. Um, and the level of ignorance there, as Kyle is... is lamenting Emmett Till's mother's response to her the this death of her son who is beaten to death this pudding face you know uh, because he whistled at a white woman who later came out and said that that didn't even actually happen and the way this guy's mind works is that death of that black teen is no different than this white teenager two years ago who was killed by a police officer, why don't you treat them the same? And that's where we are. That's 2017. I mean, and that is, I sometimes I just get sad. I just want to, I just pray and I get sad. And yeah. I think, and I'm white. I mean, for for you guys, you live this every day to say, yeah, but I'm worshiping next to this guy in church who thinks this way, who thinks that Devin Golfer's death is the same as as Emmett Till's. And I wrote on there, I said, do you even know who Emmett Till is to this gentleman? And I never heard back. It's just, it's tough. And it's it's awesome that you brought up the fact, like, hey, do you even know who Emmett Till is? Because... I know some of you are like, why would his mother have an open casket and he looked as bad? Well, the context of that is that after Emmett Till was accused, he went back to his grandfather's house because that's, he was staying with his grandparents at the time. And these guys immediately came into his grandfather's house. His grandfather couldn't do anything because he knew he would get killed. They came in took Emmett Till, and his grandfather recalled hearing Emmett Till screaming from across the field in a barn where he was being tortured. He's 14 years old. 14 years old. <laughs> so imagine a 14-year-old year boy 
screaming for his life in in pain and these guys who are doing this to them to, to him not only uh tortured him but they you know he was burned and they put a device around his neck and threw him into the water it, yeah it's just it's, ridiculous it's it, i mean it how could you that that would have driven me to say the world needs to know what happened to my baby and we could not mm-hmm. we couldn't do anything because in this area we were we were being persecuted and the people around us were terrorists and they never claim right. they, they never say that they were that these clan members or white people were terrorists that 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 was doing this to people of color we were living mm-hmm. in fear living in the same city as 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 white but it was so bad that we couldn't even speak up when our grandson is across the field being tortured you, it, with with interest well not interesting one of um i did like a little thing at our church where we were studying um black church history mm-hmm. and what's interesting to know um during that time in the 50s in the early 50s from like reconstruction to the 50s blacks were living in such fear that the the, the quote civil rights movement had basically died mm. from re, from reconstruction to the 50s they were there was so much um domestic terrorism lynching burning you know talking to my grandparents they, they would tell us stories how they would just come and my grandparents are from Mississippi. How they would just come and burn the fields. Mm-hmm. How they just would come and I mean, just just they did. I mean, you look at what happened to, to Black Bottom in Tulsa. I mean, this the stories go on and on and on. The black folks from Reconstruction to the fifties lived in so much fear. The Civil Rights Movement was dead. It wasn't for if it wasn't for Emmett Till's mother, one brave woman, and brave woman number two, Rosa Parks. Those were the two fuses. In 1954, I believe, was Till, yeah. and 55 was um, Rosa Parks. Those were the two sparks that, that lit the civil rights movement mm-hmm. um, up with, with, the, with the advent of the news uh, and the media kind of getting more popularity and kind of shining a light on those things. Those were the two fuses that, that, that lit the uh, civil rights movement. Um, and it was, if it wasn't for those two brave black women, you know, uh, man, I, I would hate to think how long it would have took. Yeah. to get things going but yeah blacks were it was such fear such <laughs> you know like you said what what could, what could the grandfather they didn't even say anything they didn't even do anything um I, I used to ask questions to my grandparents like why why didn't you go to the police why didn't you do this i mean yeah. it wasn't even a thought because you know in mississippi and in tennessee where they were from going to the police the police the the, the, the sheriff was a clansman right you know the sheriff if he wasn't a clansman his brother or his uncle was I mean, that's how deep it was. So they, they, they lived in absolute fear, and, and they had no recourse. They had no legal recourse. I mean, I, the justice system is broken now in our country, mm-hmm. but I can't even wrap my mind around how it was in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. Um, I mean, look, they, the Klan just rolled into Tulsa, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, yep. and Black Bottom and burned it down. Yep. Literally, just burned, burned everything down. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, I can't even wrap my I can't wrap my mind around living at a time when there was literally no legal recourse. Not even not even a broken system. There is there is no system. And and we we talked about Dylan, but in the same time, when the bombing of the church that killed the four little girls, this was yep. after mm-hmm. this was right after Emmett Till. So yep. yeah, that was another one. Yep, yep, I forgot this, about that. Yeah, this church was bombed, and it, and four little girls were killed. And the people that bombed the church, I don't think they ever got perse- uh, ever got um, arrested. They they went to court, but they got off free. I mean, there was clear evidence. People said, "Hey, I saw him. He was there." Yeah, but they 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 never got arrested. And then you could just the, the mothers who have to who who had to go to the morgue to 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 identify their 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 baby's body. Again, these are eight. Uh, it was an eight year old, nine year old, a 
eleven year old and a ten year old. I believe yeah. these were girls, and mm. one of the mothers, she kept the rock that was lodged in her daughter's head mm. from that bombing, and. So just imagine living in a world because of your color, your children are being killed. So, and that's why we 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 make podcasts like this because we this this history just can't be swept under the rug. And we're just seeing different forms of oppression, and and people are were being killed by the same hands. Um, by, by the same people who were supposed to protect them, and because of those who were involved in a bombing, they were actually part of a part of the police force when that mm-hmm. bombing happened to the four little girls. So it's what yeah, important. And, and the, the, go ahead, Tyler, because oh, I'm go gonna ahead. I'm gonna wrap this topic up. So go ahead and jump in if you want to say something else. Uh, about no, it. what I was gonna say is not just it's not just because what people say is funny. I was I can't remember who it was. Uh, one comedian he was talking about how. How uh, a black comedian he said he said the, the white person's response is that was that was X amount of years ago. Get over it. Get over. Mm-hmm. Get over it. But then when you mention nine eleven hashtag never forget. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, but, but but go what, ahead. but the, the 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 reason we mention these things is because um, not just to to quote dwell on the past or to relive the past is what happened in the past affects how we live today because the mindset of these people who kind of stood by apathetically or cheered these bombings or were involved in these bombings or were involved in the Klan or openly racist, they had children and their children are the ones who we are (laughs) contending with now, like you said, worshiping with. I, 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 I lost count of how many brothers and sisters around my age between 35 and 40 that they grew up in houses that were openly racist. Yeah. I've lost track of how many of my white brothers said, man, my father was a straight up racist. And, they, and he passed that down to me. And now it's something that I wrestle with. So that's why, you know, we, need, we, we talk about these things because it affects it affected the minds of the people in 2016-17. That's actually what I was going to talk about in conclusion, because that is the knee-jerk reaction. Uh, for the majority of white folks, we've been given these programmed discs, and we then have answers to things. One of them is they need to take responsibility. That's just one of the automated responses. Another one is that's over. That's in the past. Move on. Don't talk about Emmett Till still. You're still talking about that. Um, now it's over. I'm not racist. You know, let's move on, move forward. You're making excuses. That's another one. So what's important to remember is that all these events, I mean, we're talking about the 1950s here, which is right in the midst of redlining. It's in the midst of all these things happening. That's why today you have a Beverly Hills, which is right next door to a Compton. That's the reason. It's 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 the reason you have a, you know, Detroit public schools right next door to a Farmington Hills or whatever in the Lansing area. It'd be the the Lansing public schools right next door to a Okemos or a Dewitt, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at a a map and say, oh wow, like the majority in this of this really poor area where all these gangs are. Uh, now, like a Compton, it's it's black people, and the majority of Beverly Hills uh, is white people, and and then we have these discs in us, like that's just happened, that's just random, like the white people just worked harder, they just did their homework, and and they went, <laughs> um, they tried harder, they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. So the point we're trying to make is these things that happened in the fifties, and the sixties, and the seventies. These are the very things that shape the communities we have today. These things were sanctioned by the federal government. They were sanctioned by Mm -hmm. local law enforcement. And societies don't just happen overnight. They're built. They progress. They evolve. And so these things are connected. And so that's why, yes, it's complicated to talk about, but that's why we're trying to fight against these injustices. We're trying... 
there's not a silver bullet to fix it either, and we have to be okay with that. What, what we need is awareness. We need compassion. We need grace. We need relationships. Uh, there, there's a lot more that can go into that, and those are things we talk about in, in previous episodes. But don't ever think that that stuff's in the past. It still happens today, yeah. uh, as we see yeah. on a regular basis. And the things that happened before, they've created the systems uh, that are still in place today. So uh, I, what I want us to do is transition here. There, We got a really nice uh, post on our Chopping It Up Facebook page. I'm going to have our producer... Kyle, read this here. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, Chopping It Up Podcast. I think Twitter is something similar to that, like yep. Chopping It Up Pod or something like that. Yep. Uh, but this is a guy named Justin Webb. None of us know him. Looks like he's a white guy based on his picture. Uh, Kyle, go ahead and, and read uh, what he wrote. And then when you're done, I'll, ta- I'll talk briefly about uh, a pastor friend of mine who's also been encouraged by the podcast. So Justin Webb says, wow. Thanks for doing this podcast. I've gone through the first three episodes so far, and I'm eating it up. The more I learn about the history of American racism, the more I understand the complexities of sin and salvation. So that is much more than simple right or wrong behavior. And I'm really glad that y'all have a black and a white host. From the very beginning, the social construct of racism was concocted to divide whites and blacks of the poorest Mm -hmm. classes. And it still succeeds in doing so to this day. So as a white person, I see that I have to be aware of the advantages that I have simply because of my skin color and that I have to stand with non-white people. I didn't set up racism, but if I don't fight it, I let it keep going. If we don't stand together, the powers that be will continue to exploit all of us and then just blame the minorities. Thank you for the work you do and for helping me educate myself. Justin Wick. Shout out to you, bro. Yeah, we love that. And I love his last line, helping me educate myself. That's just a position every human being should be in on the planet, but sadly are not. And Christians especially, Mm -hmm. we should be humble and just willing to be educated. I got a really encouraging email from a white pastor friend who started listening to the podcast. And we actually met this week, and he's just really interested in how he and his church can be more involved in racial justice, racial reconciliation. And it's encouraging. So there is a lot of bad out there. It's encouraging when we see uh, more and more folks waking up and just saying, hey, this is the world we live in. Let's be real about it. And let's let's keep moving forward. So those are some words of encouragement I wanted to share before we concluded. Uh, speaking of being woken up, I think before we go, it's been 55 days since we've talked to uh, the most woken up person that I've ever met. Uh, and that's Black Superman. Oh, oh. Uh, Tyler, do you, you think that'd be okay to to bring him in now? I love Black Superman. I know you do. Uh, let's that's see if he's man. around. I know it's been a while since we've since we've talked. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's, it's the Black Superman who calls to the other guy. Catch me if you can. Well, well, how you doing, my black king? That's you, Tyler. My man. What's going my on? My man, black Superman. Hey, I, I, I hope you all don't a- My Asiatic God, man. That's right. I, listen, man, I, I had to send Kyle to go clean my car while I uh, jumped uh, on this podcast. Uh, you don't have a car. You you don't actually own no car. Well, where I'm from... Uh, this world is is my vehicle, uh-huh. so car, he's out who, cleaning. Whose car did you steal? I can't say. Listen, <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm staying at Jim Ho right now, trying to get my life together. Don't be hating on Jim Ho. Listen, man, I got to a fight uh, at Jim Ho. Some some guy gonna tell me that uh, uh, Batman can kill Superman, and <laughs> almost got locked up. For using my powers. <laughs> and I almost put some poison in some of that free food that we received. Don't do that. Yeah, I'm trying. Now, they made a movie, Batman versus Superman. I noticed you you weren't in it. You were supposed to be in it. I read it about, and then the, your scenes got dropped or cut. Well, well, I pitched the movie to them first. Okay. Uh, It was called 
uh, Superman kills Black uh, Batman. And what happened was the scene. There's a Black is, Batman. It, there is a Black. See, you see the white characters. Okay. Yeah. There, every character were black. Okay. So that. So let me tell you, it the scene was in Compton, right? And uh, I was just supposed to kill Batman, but they didn't like it. They said it was too black. It's true. It was. It was directed by Spike Lee, but it never got picked oh. up. Oh. You probably would have won an I'd Oscar love for that. Black people don't run, win Oscars. It's true. I could just make my own by going to Africa, get some gold from uh, the people that we're stealing gold from, and just carve out my own image of Oscar. <laughs> With Afro, an Afro pick. Exactly. God doesn't <laughs> like it when we carve images of things of ourselves. You know what? I'm 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 trying to get my life together. I know you. Are. I tried we the Muslim you. thing, but I told you I knew Allah personally, and you know, man, he got these people believing in some crazy stuff. The uh, views of Black Superman are not the views of the Chopping It Up podcast. <laughs> That's right. I'm listen. I thought you. I thought you were a five percenter. I thought you were a five percenter. I, listen, I started five percenter when I was high on meth. How many religions have you started? I'm curious. Well. It's, I'm just not the only person starting religions, okay? <laughs> you you got to talk. You didn't answer the question, just for the record. Well, right now I got an investigation going on, so I can't you, say. Let too me change. Let me change the subject. Do you like this podcast? Um, uh, honestly, I think you guys should incorporate me a little bit more, but I can understand that uh, three black people really uh, puts. Uh, white people. That's true. Um, it's kind of know, make them nervous. Oppresses us. We don't want to oppress white people. White people can't be <laughs> oppressed. Well, so we haven't recorded in 55 days. Did you miss us? Uh, I missed the free coffee that I used yeah. to get coming in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't miss, you know, actually listening because a lot of times, you know, I don't have a phone and I don't have internet, so I can't listen. <laughs> Well, we we are a podcast that talks about race and racial issues, and uh-huh. we we missed uh, Martin Luther King Day. That hey, was I like Martin. Yeah, and and we missed all of Black History Month as well. Listen, I think that knocks us down a little bit on the credibility meter. What do you think? You Terrible. know, Terrible. honestly, I'm I don't like neither one. <laughs> you don't oh, have what? a day or a month. What's I don't, that? and that's the whole point. Yeah. See, I like I like I like Martin. Martin was cool, you know. I had a slice of pie with him one yeah. day uh, after he got his behind beat in Alabama, <laughs> and I told him, I said, "Look, brother, I know a brother right now from Detroit, and he can help us out." That's how him and Malcolm X had a oh, meeting because I set cool. it up. That's good. Yeah, but Black History Month. Listen, I gotta, even though I don't like it, I love the fact. That we can celebrate black people that made a difference to you, uh, uh, mortal white people. Well, now we're in the March, which is the beginning of 11 months of White History Month. White History Month for 11 months. <laughs> you know what? It's I I just can't understand why we only get one month. Right. We only get the shortest, 28 the days. Month. It's the shortest month the shortest of the year. Worst weather. Worst weather. It is rough, but you know what? It don't matter. One day I will terrorize and destroy this planet. No, don't do that. Yeah. And don't use the word terror. We've talked quite a bit about that on this podcast. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Unless you're white. If you're white, you can do that. Trump might put me on the watch list. You and Trump are tight. This no, is, not are, anymore. You guys are beefing right now? We've been beefing. Oh, Ever since he put Jeff Sessions as general. I, I had a rundown with Jeff. Jeff Jeff called me the N-word. You and Jeff used to play racquetball I, together. What happened? I believe it. Well, you know, one thing you guys don't know about me, I was at a low point in my life, and I worked for Jeff Sessions. My <laughs> That's job, a very low point. I was a black assassin. I had to take out all black people. And I told him, I said, Jeff, this ain't right. He said, you N-word. You do whatever I tell you to do. And since then, I, you know, we ain't talked. But that's why I don't like him. 
I'm going to pray for, for that, for both of you. Please do. Yeah. Now, listen, I know I make fun of a lot of things, but I'm really starting to see uh, that I need to change my life. I stopped drinking, you know. I only had I don't believe one that. line of cocaine last night. <laughs> I'm weaning myself off. When did you stop drinking? Like maybe an hour ago? You smell it? <laughs> I'm... I was. <clears throat> you have a half of a fifth in your in your coat. I just I knew I mean know you stopped drinking like you're not drinking right now, but. Well, I'm trying. <laughs> I just need help. Black Superman needs help. Let's hashtag that. Black Superman. You know what? I think I need my old podcast. But listen, <laughs> I got a jet. I got to get on out of here because honestly. I need to find somewhere to lay my uh, powerful body down. I'm weary. I'm tired. And if you want the truth, I got to meet somebody to buy some more cocaine. So listen, peace, love, soul, and chicken grease. I'm out. Tyler, our our hero is struggling a little bit. Yo, man, he um, is looking that's, bad. That's, that's your personal problem. I, I don't particularly care. Um... He, he can bad. die for all I care. He looking bad. Don't hate yeah, your brother. I got enough problems of my own. Yeah, you do. I got enough problems of my you own. You got like 18 kids. Now, Tyler, Black Superman, Black Superman likes you out of everybody. Yeah, he calls you the Black King, and you you say you hate him? I don't, I don't know how that works. No, I don't hate him. I just don't care right. about him. I'm going to pray no, for you, nothing, nothing personal. <laughs> we'll tell him that next time. I don't like you either, though. <laughs> you don't like anybody. <laughs> no, that's not true. You don't. Really, you don't like white people. Uh, I played the No, I really wish we were uh, recorded our, a vlog uh, for our trip. That was. Oh, that would have been bad. That would. That would. That would have needed a lot of editing. Yeah. <laughs> we had a good time though. I, I I enjoyed being with you fellas. It's just, it's like. The moment we go to the South is my first in-person racist encounter, like overt, overt racism. I think he called me the N-word when he, uh, when I walked up. In his, in his spirit, he did. He did. In his spirit. A lazy one. A lazy one. Well, <laughs> well this wraps up episode 10. 55 days of waiting was well worth it. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes and Podbean. Until next time, Tyler is ugly. Very much so. Have a wonderful day.